a place for everyone, doubters and believers alike, to discuss theology, current events, and a rediscovery of radical hope. Find us on Facebook at Doubters forward slash Believers Alliance and on Instagram at Doubters Believers. Good morning, everyone, to Daughters Believers Alliance for uh, October 24th. It's almost Halloween. Um, yeah, we were not here the last few weeks. Um, last week, I knew not that many people were going to show up. I think it's a great time to go on vacation, I guess. Um, but yeah, we actually have some visitors um, here, so thank you for showing up. Some new friendly faces. Um, yeah, and not everyone knows, but I'll I'll say this for people who watch, who might not know, we are like an iteration of Revolution Church. That Jay was here a number for a number of years, like four or five years, and then last November, about a year ago, he moved out to Seattle for family stuff. Um, so he's doing Revolution just strictly online out there, um, and then he handed me the keys over to this. Um, just because of my educational background and pastoral background. So, and then we changed our name to Doubters Believers Alliance, I don't know, like three, four months ago, just because a lot of the people who are a part of this community um, aren't all Christians. Some of us are agnostic and atheists. Some of us are Christians. And we just kind of wanted to make everyone feel at home and comfortable and not just so we feel that we always have to talk to stuff out out of the Bible all this all the time. Um, so yeah, uh, other couple quick things as people know, um, we'll be here next week for a live in person service. Um, but then the week after that, my family and I are going to go out of town to Boston on a trip, our anniversary trip. So unless I can find someone to fill in, then we're not going to be here. And then the week after that, I've I've alluded to this a while back. But there's a film festival here in the Twin Cities called um, Sound Unseen Film. And one of their host spots is Bryant Lake Bowl. And they actually meet here in this theater room where we're at. And so they asked us even if we wanted to do it a different day. But since I'm a part of the panel um, for Q&A, we just decided that we won't have service that day. Um, but please come out to that show the documentary film called The Reverend about Vince Anderson out in Brooklyn. Um, so that's going to be November 14th. I think the doors open at 12, either 1130 or 12. Um, tickets are $12 through Bryant Lake Bowl's website. Um, and it's going to be a really cool, fun, fun thing. I'm excited and a little bit nervous to interview the, the guy who it's about and all of the film editors and directors. A little nervous, but excited at the same time. So that's November 14th. Um, so we'll be here this week and then next week and then another two weeks off. So put that in in your notes or whatever. I'm kind of going on a series of what does it say in the Bible or, uh, or these thoughts and themes in it. Because a couple weeks or a couple months ago, I would say, um, I kind of posted something on her Facebook and then to a couple people that I know that listen online what they want to talk about. And 
some people have talked about communion. We've talked about homosexuality. We've talked about a couple other things. And another person had forwarded me this, um, I don't even know what it was. It was like, almost like an email she got from a friend that this friend grew up in the church, but now has kind of walked away. I don't know what they are. Um, but it was kind of trying to say how Christians will say, oh, it's okay if we believe in these certain things. But then if, quote-unquote, non-Christian people or secular people believe in it, then it's wrong or whatever, and we'll get into it. I didn't, I didn't put all of them in there for the sake of, for the sake of um, how long this conversation will be, but just, just kind of some peculiarities about, uh, about this stuff. Next week I'm going to talk about uh, one of our listeners wanted to have me talk about witchcraft and how witchcraft deals with christianity because we're both witchcraft's kind of like a way of i wouldn't call it a religion but it's a mindset it's a philosophy there is probably some spiritual components just like there is to christianity so that's going to be some good homework that i'll do this week um after work every day i guess but today this talk is called uh christians believe in what so this I'll read the first part of what this person had wrote and kind of their critique and then kind of just dovetailing a little bit of like my own thoughts on it as well. And feel free anybody to ask a question um, about this. So this person had wrote in this post, incense and meditation and supernatural gifts and numerology and astrology are all in the Bible. Yet even, and then my, my kind of response to that is, but yet most of evil, evangelical Christianity based all of these. Think of the wise men in the Bible who came to give gifts for Jesus. If we look back in scripture, they weren't Christians. Obviously Christianity was not a religion then, but they, they weren't believers in Yahweh, which is the God of the Old Testament. And they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bought gifts which were really nice gifts, by the way, back then. And um, a lot of scholars will say that these people, these wise men, were astrologers, that they looked to the sky. Like, we look at astrology now when people do astrology, and, you know, we look at the, the different astrological signs, like, oh, are you a Pisces? Are you a Virgo? And whatever. And, but there's a lot of people who really give a lot of credence and things that, and I'm not here to say whether I believe in those things or not, but I grew up in a tradition in evangelical Christianity and the Assemblies of God where we we never, like, we, we kind of, what's the word? We, we glossed over all of that stuff in a lot of ways. We, we, we know the story about Jesus. We know about how he was born in this stable and this inn, and we knew that, you know, he, Mary and Joseph were there, he had the cattle, um, but then you had these wise men that showed up. But I think it's really important to make the point of these these men that came up were, and yes, they had shepherds that came. And let's be honest, people from back then and still now, if you follow the North Star, if you're out in the wilderness and you don't have a compass, they always tell you, look up at the sky, look up at, you know, the stars. That's not necessarily astrology, but... Maybe back then they looked at it that way. I don't know. 
but that whole point is a lot of times, and then there's there's certain churches um, that will use incense still as as a thing for their daily services. I know a lot of times in Catholic churches <clears throat> they'll use incense. Um, incense is a long-standing thing within church. Like when in the Jewish tradition, when someone was was buried, they use incense to help cover the body um, and the smell of a, of a decaying body. So this stuff that a lot of Christianity will kind of look in and poo-poo it as a negative thing was actually in the Bible. Um, but yet so much of Christianity will look at that and say, well, I don't think that this is a practice we should do. Numerology, that's not, nothing, nothing inherently wrong about it, but like case in point, growing up in the church like I did, in the tradition that I did, you had, you know, the, the whole 666 is, you know, the devil, which it's not, it's Nero. And then you had like 777, which is like God's number. I think all of that's a little wonky and a little out there but you can see how even within christianity and this person who wrote this there's going to be some parts that i agree with her on and then some parts where i disagree with her on where she might be like oh well i think she's trying to say like you you say that you don't practice this kind of stuff but yet it's in the bible and there's going to be parts where i think she's a little bit misguided and parts where i think um she she uh she is uh, you know saying good things and proper things but i just thought this talk was going to be kind of fun partly because it's coming up on halloween and you know especially in america we really love our holidays especially halloween where we can dress up and pretend we're people who are not and this is just a conversation that kind of goes into into that holiday festive theme but also i think our our things just to kind of maybe get get those juices flowing in her in her head so yeah and i mean there's astrology in the bible you have psychics well which i'll get to you have psychics in the bible and what's so funny is in a lot of evangelical christianity and what i mean evangelical christianity i mean uh, like pentecostals baptists evangelical you know free churches like that but when you go to mainline christianity like presbyterianism methodism you know fill in the rest they don't really talk about a lot of this stuff i don't know why maybe they don't think it's important um or maybe they're like this is just the bible take it or leave it and a lot of the tradition i was before leaving ordination was the united church of christ and they never talked about any of this kind of stuff because they're like their whole mantra is we take the bible seriously but not literally so you kind of go in there's certain christian traditions that will be like yeah the bible's great has important things and good things to say but not everything in there is true then you have other denominations who will say uh yeah everything in the bible is true you know inspired word of god so that first part incense meditation supernatural gifts numerology astrology are all in the bible um yeah so meditation we still people do people meditate all the time um you have people that practice more buddhist meditation i know growing up uh i was told not to ever meditate because that was eastern religion things but i don't meditate on a daily basis but 
there's I think there's a, a a great wonderful thing about just centering yourself in the crazy day-to-day life and just meditating whether you pray when you meditate whether you just try to be one with yourself whether you block out all the crap that happens in the world then so be it um all that kind of stuff's in the bible and i think a lot of people a lot of evangelical christians and of people who are here that don't know who i am i don't critique i critique all of the church especially evangelical christianity because that's what i grew up with and that i was a part of and i don't critique it because i hate it i critique it because i want it to be better i want i want everyone to be better and to maybe let's sit back and see how we can just be better people um, in church and outside um christians are mostly against altars um like altars to the dead altars to false you know false deities compared in christianity um but i find it really interesting and this individual is like yeah uh, she wrote christians are against altars but yet you run down to the altar in certain churches to get saved or whatever and i grew up in a tradition where the altar wasn't a specially modified made altar they just looked at the altar as like the front of the church you know here's the pulpit here are stairs and you would run up there and i think biblically they're more looking at an altar if you wanted to if you study and look up ancient kind of like temples they had a pretty epic altar um and i know a lot of other religions have altars i know uh, talking to a family member of mine who does practice witchcraft that there's certain altars that they do there too but a lot of times in christianity they'll say um how we're so different than all these like oh witchcraft as paganism or being a witch is pagan and all that stuff and i'm not here to say if it is or isn't but i'm just saying that there's a lot of people when they practice spirituality or religion that there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of overlay and i remember growing up in the church just having going to the altar all the time not because it was something i completely understood but it was something that i was supposed to go to because my pastor told me or a prophet or a person who's there to to speak and i find it very odd now like in the, the church that i was a part of for eight years before coming over and doing you know dba uh they never they never used the, that kind of language they never used um come to the altar they would say come to the front for communion or whatever um but within a lot of evangelical christianity especially in pentecostalism which i was raised in which is very pro uh pro and kind of pushy towards um spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues healing uh all that kind of stuff intercessory prayer uh they would always say come to the altar come to the altar and i don't think they realized when they say come to the altar just how uh loaded that is because so many other religions and not even religions per se but spiritualities have altars that they do and mean yes within judaism and christianity since they're obviously cousins uh, cousin religions a lot of times in judaism you have the altars you you have uh you would bring your 
your cattle for sacrifice to to you would put, lay it on the altar and sacrifice it to Yahweh. You know the story of Abraham and Isaac and how Abraham thought that God told Isaac to lay his kid on the altar for a sacrifice. So we look at altars in a lot of Christianity as something to lay down in order for, as a way to show uh, our love for God or God to show favor to us or whatever. And that could be, but just to me, what this woman was trying to say, what I get was, you say that an altar is wrong, but outside of Christianity to have altars, but yet your faith has altars all over. You have altars in your church. You have altars that it talks about in Christianity in early inception of the old biblical stories. I, and she was kind of like, I find it kind of fascinating where you practice this. You practice sacrifice, not necessarily t- today but in our holy book we practice sacrificing and altars and going to an altars and now we're telling people in certain churches to go to an altar to cleanse their faith to it's more of a metaphor not animals but of going to the going to your pastor or a lay member and saying i'm a sinner i'm you know all this stuff and so it's this kind of spiritual metaphor of of something like that and let's be honest if you look all throughout humanity you look at vikings you look at a lot of other cultures they had altars where they sacrificed so altars are something that has been a part of humanity for centuries and christians will probably look at them certain christians will look at it and poo poo on it and say how weird and messed up it is but yet they're okay when they practice it themselves so kind of i would say to that make it make sense to me where you can preach against it on the outside world but yet you yourself when you do it are saying that it's okay uh a lot of christians don't think that they believe in ritualism or rituals but yet what is communion what is baptism um eating the body and blood of our own god uh, which Catholics really believe is called uh, uh, consubstantiation, where consubstantiation really they think when the pastor prays for the elements, which is the the blood, which is the wine and the bread or wafers, whatever, that it literally becomes Christ's body, and then um, transubstantiation is, and I, hopefully I'm not getting it backwards, is where most Christians believe that it's a metaphor. Most people believe, like, it's a metaphor that this is God's body. But the interesting about that, I'll say this, early, after Christianity started, and it was a number of centuries old, and not even just centuries, but in its infancy, I would say the first 100 to 200 years, a lot of people thought that Christians were cannibals. And you would say, why in the world, Brian, would you think that Christians are cannibals? Well, yes, sorry, Ray, you were right. Ray's watching the other way around. So transubstantiation is the literal um, that they the Catholics really, really believe that it's really the blood and body of Christ. Consubstantiation is the more metaphoric one. Uh, so sorry that I got that background. I was going back in my seminary brain to try to get that and 
Uh, thank you, Ray, watching to, to hold me accountable to that. But yet, early, like other religious people, people that Christians at the time would call pagans, or, you know, believing in Greek thought or, or the Romans and their deities, people would actually, there's actually accounts written down where people would go to early Christians when Christians practiced communion, and they were like, I don't understand how you believe that you're really eating the body and blood of Christ. And they're like, is this a metaphor? And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Is this a metaphor? And they were like, no, this is Jesus' body broken for us. We're going to eat it. This is Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross, but he did this, so we had it. And so, yes, we look at it now as, I would say, more educated people and saying, yes, that's supposed to be a metaphor for this gift that God gave us and grace and, and, and communion and community with one another. But early Christians literally thought it was that. And so, to the outside world, they look at it and they're like, you guys are messed up. You guys are weird and wicked. You're, you're saying that we're bad and we're going to hell or we're not going to be connected to your God, but yet you have a God that you believe in that every time you practice this ritual of communion, you're literally eating him and drinking his blood. I know it's kind of going in with the Halloween theme, but that's really morbid if you think about it. And I'm not making that up. A lot of early people thought that. And it's also when you look at the whole, uh, the idea of the Trinity that a lot of Christians believe in. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we hear that. But yet, people thought that early Christians were tritheists, that they believed in three gods because people would go around, the disciples and early leaders, you know, people, uh, Paul, and even, even up to like Augustine in like the third century, people, when they said, oh, we're, we believe in one God, but in three ways, that doesn't logically make sense. And I'm not here to get into a Trinitarian debate, but it was this thing that it didn't make sense to people. And I still tell people, you try to explain the Trinity to anybody, educated or not, and it's confusing as all get out. Because you say we believe in one God called God, but then there's Christ, you know, the, fa the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, but yet they're all one. They're the same, but yet we are supposed to understand them in different ways. It's really confusing, and that's still something I remember writing a paper in seminary about it, and I was like, this is a question Christians can't understand, or, or not understand, but can't adequately give a good account to because it's so illogical. Not saying that it's wrong, but it's illogical. And so you kind of just see how some of these early practices and rituals that Christians believe in don't make sense, and I'm not saying it's not right to have that, but then when we look at the outside world and their views and their beliefs, and then we say that they're wrong, and then they can, so it's like we can critique them and feel good about it, but then when they come and critique us, it's like, oh, whoa, like, who are you? Why are you here critiquing our faith when we're right? And just the thing with ritual, ritualism, I've, I've, I've been born, born into Christianity my whole life. Um, I tell people all the time, which a lot of people in whatever culture you're from, whatever country, there's such a thing called folk religion. And folk religion is a religion that you're born into or more or less that your country is. So in America, our folk religion is Christianity. 
Uh, we had pilgrims come over. We had European ancestors. They left, you know, England, France, Germany, wherever they came from, because they wanted religious freedom. They wanted more land. They wanted all this stuff. And so they came here for religious freedom. But when you hear people say, oh, yeah, uh, uh, I was born into a Christian family, or my family were Catholics and now I'm an atheist, or uh, my family were Pentecostals and now I'm a Buddhist. All that folk religion is saying is it's, it's part of who you are, kind of like I'm an American, I'm a Minnesotan. What makes me an American? I was born in Minnesota, or, or I was born in America. What makes me Minnesotan? I was born in St. Paul. So that makes me a a Minnesotan because I was born here in Minnesota and I live here. And what makes me an American is Minnesota's part of America, and so I'm an American. Even though if I live in California for 20 years, I'll be a Californian, but I'll still be partly Minnesotan. Or if I move to let's say Australia, and I would still be an American living in Australia. A folk religion is something that you're born into, but it does not mean you have to, what's the word, uh, believe, believe in long term. So, like, my friend who's a pastor in Switzerland who lives over there, you have to be in Switzerland. You have to, even if you're an atheist, you have to have a membership at a church. You have to be part of your town or your village church. That's how they do almost like uh, what we, we what we do here is... Um, like a census. And if you look back, even in Bible times, they did census, wanting to know where people are. But that's, so even in Switzerland, their folk religion is Christianity, but they don't really believe that everyone who's a part of a church is said, you know, said faith. So in Christian, or in America, our folk religion is Christianity. Does not mean you have to be a Christian. It's just that's a core of who we are as an American people is that Christianity is at the forefront of everything. So I, if someone's like, well, I'm an atheist, I'll be like, yes, but your folk religion is Christianity, and now you've chose to believe and know God, and that's fine. So we can get a little, um, that's something that a lot of people don't like to hear, but that is something that is goes all, all throughout humanity. But getting back to even the ritualism, Whenever you watch like a scary TV show or you watch a horror movie or you, you watch uh, a movie kind of dealing with witches or paganism or whatever, you'll always hear them saying, oh, we're doing this ritual. We're doing this ritual. I remember um, they remade the show on Netflix. Uh, I don't know why I liked it so much because it was more based on for teenagers, but it was The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and that kind of goes back to Sabrina the Teenage Witch that was on TV years ago, but this was a way more darker uh, iteration of it. And, but, so it has to do a lot about the, their, it's witches, it's, uh, uh, they're sacrificing animals, they're praying to the devil, and then all this kind of stuff. And it got really dark, but what's interesting is watching it from the lens that I did as a Christian and watching it from someone who is seminary trained, uh, I looked at it as I was like, look at even in, in in a in a spirituality like witchcraft or even in paganism, they do rituals and they live by these rituals. We have to do this, we have to do this. And then Christians will say, Well, we don't do we're not a ritualistic religion. But yes, they are. Christianity is a ritualistic religion because our ritualism is doing the Eucharist 
aka communion. We do baptism, whether you believe in full immersion, underwater, sprinkling, infancy, whatever. That's still a ritual. And just the ritual of going to church every Sunday. And the ritual of hearing a pastor give a sermon every Sunday or hearing a worship band play worship music or these prayers and like liturgy if people know what liturgy is it's the it's like the 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 prayers that you pray together or if somebody's up on a pulpit and they're leading a prayer and then you're supposed to pray with them or read the scripture with them that's that that goes back for hundreds if not thousands of years within christianity but that's still a ritual that's still ritualism and a lot of people will push back to me and they're like, well, no, that's just, I don't know if that's ritualism. That's just um, kind of what we do or whatever. And I'm like, well, call it what it is. It's a ritual. And rituals aren't necessarily bad because I, you know, I would say uh, like Sunday, Sunday for me after church is football. That's a ritual for me. I love sports. I'm not going to deny that. Every Sunday during football season, what is it? It's a ritual after church, go home put in a pizza or something, grab a beer, and have a watch football for the afternoon. That's a ritual. There's nothing wrong with it, but when people don't realize when they go to church, that's a ritual that they do. No different than if a pagan or someone in another religion were to do a ritual. And I think what this person was trying to say in her post was, Christians say that they don't do rituals. You might not do rituals the way we do rituals, but to say that you don't do rituals flies in the face of everything you do as a religion because your whole religion is based on rituals. And if it's not, then why is it every Christmas and each Easter, what's our ritual every year that we've done for thousands of years if you're a practicing Christian? You go to church on Christmas because it's Jesus' birthday. It's when he was born, which hot take, Jesus was not born in December. We just celebrate it on Christmas because Constantine, way back when, it was a pagan holiday, and what did he want to do? He wanted to Christianize it. So there we go. Anyway, I digress on that. But then we celebrate Easter, which is G- we, you know Good Friday, which is Christ's crucifixion, and on Easter we celebrate his resurrection. That's ritual. Like I said, not saying ritualism is bad, but when Christians, and I'm not saying this isn't more for mainline Christians, it's more for evangelicals when they say, we don't do rituals, we don't do rituals, we're not that kind of a faith. Yes, you do. You do it every single Sunday. You do it every single year when you do these things. Confirmation. If we know what confirmation is, my dad went through confirmation. I know tons of people went through confirmation or catechism within the Catholic Church. That's a ritual. It's nothing wrong with that. But we do it. Marriage, another thing. It's a ritual. So when Christians and other relig- and Christian ad- adjacent groups will say, oh, well, our faith is this, or we're trying to do this, and we're not ritualistic, by its definition of what a ritual is, you do rituals. So, food for thought on that. Um, A lot of evangelicals, and I'll go a little deeper dive on this. I don't want this talk to be super long, because for people who aren't watching live, we came into our theater area in the last couple weeks. We were gone, and one of the workers here, bartenders or waitresses, has like a little, I would say, uh, an oddities table um, here 
and they had a movie showing and I want to be respectful of their time since they don't really charge us any money to be here. So I want to try to get through this as quick as I can just so because they're so gracious every week to um, let us in. And this is off camera, but there's this really weird. I don't know what this is like. a Amanda will post a picture on our site. It's like a kind of a cool like mannequin that's all painted up with like an old school. Um, what would you call that mask? Kind of like the plague doctor, like a plague doctor thing. Uh, like I said, it's coming up on Halloween. So this, this talk goes hand in hand to all the stuff that we see here. Um, so evangelical Christians don't believe in psychics. And what I'll say with that is, uh, I remember growing up, you hear the, you hear the psychic, they had the psychic, uh, channel that you could you know, like on tv or psychic numbers that you could call and you how much do you watch in tv shows and i just watched a show a couple weeks ago i forget what it was and they were like oh let's go to let's go to uh, to a psychic and see a psychic and she can read my future or whatever but evangelical christians are like well psychics are evil that's bad that's part of uh paganism and that's part of demonicness and all the thing one thing i will say what always has struck me is stuff that Christ, like certain Christian streams don't understand. If they don't understand something, they'll just say it's demonic or, or that it's spiritual. We don't like it. Excuse me. And that never made sense to me. Okay. Just because you disagree with something or you think it's a little meh doesn't mean it's necessarily demonic. And when you just label it demonic or unspiritual or whatever, you really kind of have egg on your face because you're not answering or even kind of pulling out any kind of idea or answer. However, Christians will believe in prophets. And prophets in Christianity, and we look through the Bible, um, they speak all over. And this person said, we don't, you know, Christians don't believe in psychics, but yet you pay prophets to come and speak in your church uh and i and if you want to this is the one scripture verse uh not scripture verse but i want to say in first samuel it is where samuel himself who is the king who is ordained by god if you look at it that way to see there's samuel or saul now that i'm saying it I'm really bad in my bible today apparently when i was putting this talk together on thursday but it was even in um when he went and i think they were in a battle or what in a battle or something maybe not a battle but it was either saul or samuel went out maybe it was saul and this is in the book of samuel is what it could be and he went out and he literally found i think it says in the scripture like a divinator which in essence is like a psychic and and the psychic was saying like all this stuff and it says like in the bible that yahweh in essence you know, was not happy that that happened. But we say that psychics are wrong and bad, but I think it's funny because that, yet yeah, with Saul, yeah. So it was in Samuel. See, that's what, see, I was right on there. I'm getting mixed up today. That's kind of mad at myself. I should know this stuff. So it was Saul in First Samuel who went and saw, uh, and saw a divinator, a.k.a. what we would look at as a psychic telling you the future. 
So there were religious people, even within the Bible times, because a lot of times Christians think, oh, we're so much on rest in peace for my grandmother, but she would always say things like, oh, we're so much worse in our modern times than we were in Bible times. Oh, all the stuff that we have now in this world, they never had in like biblical times. I was like, hmm, are you sure about that, Grandma? And it wasn't to be in a mean way, but there were psychics, there's ritualism, there's, you know, violence and gore and sexual craziness all throughout the scripture. And it's a very difficult very difficult to understand sometimes unless it's kind of shown to you hopefully not just today and other times uh, uh of looking at that but getting back so we see psychics we see that we see in that story and maybe there's probably more but that was one that jumped out to me saul and first samuel but we look at so like a big prophet that we we hear about in the bible is amos and there's a book of the Bible, and Jeremiah is a prophet. We look at, uh, with the story of um, David with Bathsheba, and we see Nathaniel come, and he's supposed to be a prophet. And I, I'm not saying prophets are wrong or bad. I do think that back in biblical time, prophet is probably looked upon a little bit differently as we look now, but I... When the church, when the church looks at prophets, and not all of Christianity practices this stuff, it, it, it's certain streams within Christianity that will say, "Oh, we're having a prophet come into our church and give a talk or give whatever." And usually, what these people are saying is they have this special revelation which revelation literally means an unveiling this special word this whatever and usually if you are not even a seminary trained person but just you have a brain and you think you can tell most of these prophets that you hear now going around churches whether in america or other places aren't really prophets but are snake oil salesmen are uh whatever, put in any kind of negative word, uh, soothsayers, whatever. So, a lot those same Christians who will believe in prophecy or prophets and will say prophets are okay and will pay them quite a bit of money will be the same ones that will say, oh, psychics are wrong because psych, they think, oh, psychics, they're getting their information from the devil. They're getting their information from the from demons, but yet we're getting ours from Jesus or angels or whatever. And one little convers- one little thing I'll say about that is, I worked at this evangelical college a number of years ago. Um, I worked in their facilities department, so we were setting up, and we had a uh, our our main what our main great hall. I would say it was an auditorium that had like held 12 or 1400 people and it was this group that you know we would book it out especially in the summertime when it was you know not school uh, session and this outside group came in and they packed it out they were there monday through friday they packed it so they had over 1200 people there every single day but they had this person come in who they had this big old picture up on this poster board of this prophet, of this person who said, this is this prophet, I don't even remember their name. And they, and this prophet was up there, but this prophet was like 
had like a mink coat on, just dressed to the nines, like all this stuff. And the th- and longer story short is this: we ended up the church ended up kicking this group out by the end because they were all there about money. They were going. They were even asking us as workers who were just working for the event for money, and that God prophesied that we were supposed to give money and da 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 da. So I think the prophets in the Bible, like you see Amos, Nathaniel, and others in Jeremiah, I would I would give them credence. I would give them, you know, like maybe God did speak to them. Maybe God did put something on your heart. Because I and, and I'm not trying to say like if someone comes up to me, be like Brian, God put this on my heart. I'm like 50-50 on that. I'll be like, yeah, God could maybe have put that on your heart. Or maybe you just didn't like what I said. Or maybe you agreed with what I said, but you have some pushbacks, which is fine. But it gets very murky when, when you, you, when people start saying that kind of language or saying stuff like that. So I think this girl who wrote this post was really right on this, this aspect. You think that, uh, psychics are bad and you will, you know, look out throughout the history of Christianity to how people will berate psychics or or people who are into that kind of field or what they want to do that maybe that's their livelihood. But yet, when you have a prophet come into your church, you have no problem paying them money to do that, but yet they're very, very, very similar at what they do. Um, evangelicals say... And most Christians say that they don't believe in ghosts or other spooky things, since we're dealing with Halloween. Um, but we believe in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And this isn't something that I'm just, I, I don't want to cut hairs. I don't want to piss anybody off. That's never my intent. It's always when we're at DBAs to make people think, is to scratch your head or when you're driving home or whenever you're done listening to this to just sit back and say oh brian brought up some good points i agreed with some of them i maybe disagreed and that's fine that's fine i'm not ever here to tell anybody you have to believe the way i do but i just i my whole point is to just get the conversation going and that's how why i kind of left organized i would say ordainable christianity is because i always felt that I was never given the opportunity to have these conversations where it was like, I'm going to take this, take this scripture verse, give a good 15, 20 minute sermon, and then finish the rest of the service and go on my merry way. But doing something like this on a weekly basis, I just want to get conversations going where we can look at things in different ways. Because I can actually tell you, I got kicked out of my church when I was younger for asking too many questions. That's the God's God's gospel truth. I got kicked out because they kept saying, Brian, Brian, just believe it, just understand it, whatever. And I was taught to have this critical engagement to push back, not in a divisive way, but just to be like, why? And when you sit back, and I have a good friend of mine who went to seminary with me, who's now more atheistic, and he still loves learning about Christianity, but he said this thing, and it always sticks with me, He's like, but when you walk away from it, when you're not in with the ritualism, when you're not in with this thinking about it every single day, and you sit back and actually kind of critique it, uh, he's like, then you start looking at stuff and be like, wow, this is really weird. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll look at belief systems like Scientology or like Mormons or JWs or, 
paganism or whatever and we'll be like oh gosh how can you believe in that oh that's so bizarre that's so whatever but then when you look at if you're a christian and you look at your own practices you're like huh this is really strange and like my last point what what i'm going to say is we believe in a holy spirit we call it a holy spirit and we call it or the you know people call it the holy ghost make that make sense to me you know, I've told my, I've been told my whole life, yeah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then you're like, okay, or you hear people say Holy Ghost, same thing. But then I'm like, and I believe in it, but then I look at other spiritual practices that people do, paganism, witchcraft, whatever. And I'm not saying, trying to say there's the simula- that much similarities, but we'll say, oh, they, you know, people will be like, there's witches. What? How can you? I follow so many people on Instagram who were former evangelical ministers or people in seminary, and they will call themselves a witch now. And I'm just like, okay, I don't understand that. I don't get it, but it fits for them. But yet, in some of those things, when I've talked to them, like DMing them or whatever, they'll be like, make it make sense to me, Brian, that we say in Christianity that this is the right religion, this is the right faith, this is the right way to do things, but you've seen what I said with, you know, with the communion aspect where people thought we were cannibals because we literally ate the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, We look at this with the Holy Spirit, where we literally say, and it's been for thousands of years where we've talked about this, like, yeah, this is an understandable thing. We believe in the Holy Spirit, but yet we look at other religion and other spiritual groups of people and will say that they're wrong for believing in ghosts or or, or spirits, but yet we believe in ours anyway. But we'll say that that spirit is God. It makes sense to me in a lot of ways, but also being able to step back from it outside of quote-unquote four walls of the church and outside of the seminary that I was in, and you start questioning and just start thinking, and you're like, how do you how do you adequately answer that to someone? How how could I come up to somebody who is a pagan or someone who practices very naturalistic religions or someone who does practice witchcraft and say your your spirituality, your belief in spirits is wrong, but mine is right because it's Christianity and of course that it's right. So I'm not saying I have all the answers for for this but i thought when i saw this post that actually a family member of mine forwarded to me i thought it would be a really interesting kind of segue into kind of these halloween talks i will i would say um and and just to kind of get the idea and conversation rolling of there are in the name of the talk was christians believe in what it's kind of like that. It's, I kind of want to just have this question of like, Christians really believe in what? Like question mark. Because we believe in things that make sense to us. To the outside world, it doesn't make sense, which is fine. But then when Christians go to these other groups outside of their own faith and will start, start saying that's wrong, that's wrong, it's wrong. So it's like we can critique them and be okay with it. But then if they critique us, then we get all bent out of shape and say, hey, let's look at similarities that we have. Can maybe, I think it would be awesome if you could, if, if a pastor at a church could sit down with a pagan 
or could sit down with someone who says that they're a witch and believes in witchcraft and just have a conversation, not not saying, oh, you need to become a Christian or you need to become a witch or whatever, but to just sit down and say, why do you believe the way you believe? How do you believe? What you Are there similarities? Because, you know, spoiler alert, Christianity was influenced by a lot of other religions before Christianity. Like the Babylonian, you know, the Babylonian Empire and people were there before Christianity came around. There was, there's been hundreds of religions that predates Christianity that we get a lot of our information from. A lot of the writers of the Bible were influenced by, by that stuff, by Platonic thought, by ancient Greek thought, by Babylonian thought. So if they can learn from those people, why can't we learn from other people and other religious or spiritual paths not saying we have to believe the way they do or they have to believe the way we do but i think we live in a culture and in a world right now where it's i'm right you're wrong no conversation or whatever it's a lot like that in church it's a lot like that in academia and it bothers me because it's like i love just having conversations with people of saying like hey cool like good to meet you awesome this is who I am as a person. Oh, you're a pagan. You're, a, you know, you're a witch. Cool. Let's just have a conversation and talk about it. That's mostly what I got. There's a comment that I have. People have rituals because it makes sense to them and their community. Until you get to know someone and their journey, it can be difficult to understand others others rituals. Yeah, it's well said. Thanks Amanda for that comment. Yeah, and that's just it. Uh, you have to under you have to get to know a person to understand why they do their rituals. Um, and my whole life, I've been told by the church, our rituals are important. Our rituals are right, and all these other people's rituals, because they're outside the fold, they're outside the family. Their rituals are wrong, and it's so much easier to say my, your ritual is wrong because you're not in my in group or you're not in my religion. But once you start understanding that person and you care about them more than just like, hey, what's up? I see you every Sunday, but when you, or whatever. But when you really get to know them, when you're really good friends with them, and you see why they do the rituals that they that that they do. Another question that came in: We are also taught that it's not appropriate to talk about money or religion or spirituality in social settings. Because of this, I feel like people don't know how to talk about this topic without arguing because the discussion of differing views is seen as taboo. Also true. Um, we live in a culture where you we can't talk about religion without people getting pissed off. We can't talk about money, politics, any, any sort of thing in a public place because we're afraid so many people are going to be like, you disagree with me. Like, there's been so many times where I've been in conversations with people where they think I'm arguing with them, and I'm like, I don't want to argue with you. I'm just trying to understand. Make Help me understand or let, like, okay, you are, you know, a, 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 a Wiccan. So, like, Wicca is, you know, a p more pagan spirituality. I want to tell me about, you know, Wicca. Or tell me about your paganism, not because I necessarily want to believe it, but because I want to understand where you are coming from. I want to understand what makes you tick. Because it's like, if you want 
people to understand Christianity and, and the, the practices and the rituals we do, then it's just appropriate for you to give that to the other person. Because how, how transformative would that be to just say, hey, as a Christian, as someone who loves Jesus, I know a lot of things within Christianity are goofy and weird. I'm not here to answer all those questions, but your, your, your faith or your spirituality gets picked apart all the time. How can I look at what you do and give it worth without necessarily believing in it myself? Does that make sense? Makes sense. Um, that's all we have for today. Um, like I said, this will be up as soon as I'm done, you know, finishing this, this will be up on our Facebook page and then it'll come out on the podcast feed in about a week. Next week, tune in. We'll be here, um, live at Bryant Lake Bowl. And then, as I said earlier, when I started the two weeks after that, so the first two weeks in November, uh, we will not be having service. I might record something and put up. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but as I say every week, have a great week and be kind to one another. Bye.